Hello, and welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. The AAD Member Buying Program has helped your colleagues save more than $5.6 million through the AAD Member Buying Program. As an AAD member, you have access to the best pricing on sutures and savings of up to 19% on medical and office supplies when you enroll. The best part, it's free and takes less than a minute to get started. Sign up now at aadmemberbuyingprogram.com. Welcome everyone to the Dialogues in Dermatology. Today we'll be featuring reporting Mohs micrographic surgery with a simple repair. We are pleased to have Dr. Ravi Krishnan with us. Dr. Krishnan is a Mohs surgeon in Seattle, Washington, with years of experience in both Mohs surgery, reconstruction, and coding. He has had experience with coding on the Coding and Reimbursement Committee of the American Academy of Dermatology. Welcome, Dr. Krishnan. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get started. The uh, integumentary system of the CPT, specifically the closure guidelines were recently revised by the AMA CPT. And what that is, is before 2022, there was a certain amount of language that was potentially misinterpreted. And these coding guidelines that were misinterpreted dealt with simple repair that included local anesthesia and chemical or electrocauterization of wounds not closed. Dr. Krishnan, would you Give us some background as to what transpired to require a, an editorial, a slight modification in the CPT. Sure. That's actually a, an interesting question. It's something that I myself was interested in as I don't use the simple repair code all that often. Uh, so it was new to me. But the issue, as you sort of alluded to, was that the language of the old CPT definition for simple repair left itself open to some misinterpretation. Uh, I think the best way to explain it would be for me to just read you that old definition so you can hear it verbatim. So what it said was simple repair is used when the wound is superficial involving primarily epidermis or dermis or subcutaneous tissues without significant involvement of deeper structures and requires simple one layer closure. The next sentence says, this includes local anesthesia and chemical or electrocauterization of wounds not closed. And that wounds not closed portion was the part that caused a bit of a problem. My understanding is some people would interpret this, for example, say you were performing Mohs surgery and you decided instead of repairing the wound, you wanted to allow it to heal by second intention. Um, in that case, presumably you used some local anesthesia and you probably did some cautery on the wound. And so you said, okay, well, I did local anesthesia and cautery, and this is a wound not closed. Therefore, I'm going to use the simple repair code for this wound that I have not repaired. And so according to AMA CPT, this is something that was done by some individuals. And because of this, they felt the need to address this and make it clear that this is not something that should be done. Now, one thing about the CPT is that it has a rather hierarchical structure that some people may not recognize and may end up reading portions of the CPT and extracting that portion 
as being the rule. And I think that's what you alluded to in this case. And that specifically what you quoted is introductory language in the CPT that then guides the rest of the coding parameters. And specifically, it says, use the codes in this section to designate wound closure utilizing suture staples or tissue adhesives. So right away, if one were to read this introductory language, one would probably figure out that there's a closure involved and that's required. And everything that goes beyond that is uh, subservient and sub, uh, subjugated to the main guiding definition. You gotta do a closure. Exactly. Guide, <laughs> the present guidelines and most surgery. First of all, with most surgery, when we do that, how would we repair or how would we report any kind of closure service with or without a modifier? How would you say that? So the Mohs code is interesting in that unlike many of the other procedures in dermatology that involve some sort of skin excision, the Mohs code does not include any repair along with it, unlike say an excision or even a biopsy for that matter. So when you are reporting a simple repair or really any kind of repair with Mohs micrographic surgery, you would simply report the repair separately. So for the Mohs surgery portion of the procedure, you would report your Mohs codes in the 17,000 series. And for the repair, if it were a simple repair, you would pick the appropriate code in the 12,000 series based on the site and the size of the wound. One important thing to keep in mind is that if you were doing uh, multiple sites, the sites are grouped. And so, for example, if you did a closure on the neck and the arm, for example, and those were both simple repairs, you wouldn't report them separately. You would simply add the lengths uh, of both of them and count it as, as one repair, one code. Yes, and that simply relates to the fact that within the CPT for repairs, if the different areas that may be repaired are of the same type of repair and within the same anatomical grouping that that code involves or defines, then we add those links. Now, the other thing is, what if we're not sure and we're looking at any code and we want to see, do we need a modifier? What would we do? So to answer your initial question, for Mohs, you don't need the modifier, but the best thing to do would be to look at the NCCI PTP edits, which you could find on the CMS website, and they would tell you when the modifiers are appropriate or not. I per Normally, in my practice, I fortunately have access to a dedicated coder, so I simply ask them what to do. But if you don't have access to that, or you just really, I think sometimes it's good to get the information from the direct source, that is where you would go. Yeah, and then for the purpose of accessing that, it's pretty darn easy. One simply uh, searches for that, puts NCCI uh, edits or NCCI PTP, that's capital P, capital T, capital P edits, search for that, and they'll pop up as the number one. Uh, Dr. Christian, and one other point that I think our audience uh, uh, will benefit from knowing is that when no modifiers are required, such as with most surgery and any type of reconstruction, um, one should not apply a .59 modifier or a .51 modifier to any of the codes that don't require it. Because if we put the modifier on the wrong code, 
the higher valued code, the insurer may be more than happy to reduce that one by 50% reimbursement. And then obviously that would be inappropriate trouble and cause difficulty for our offices. Now going on with the micrographic surgery codes, we do know that the closure is not part of the Mohs surgery. Consequently, when we get to a simple repair, we need to define it. And Dr. Krishnan, would you just give us a favor of just defining simply what is a simple repair? So one thing I'll do is I'll, I'll read you the new definition just so we have that, and then I can kind of try to break it down a little bit. But the new definition is now simple repair is used when the wound is superficial, involving primarily epidermis or dermis or subcutaneous tissues without significant involvement of deeper structures and requires simple one-layer closure. Hemostasis and local or topical anesthesia when performed are not reported separately. Um, so the most important change you can see is that they've eliminated the whole portion about wounds not closed. So it would be impossible almost for someone to misinterpret a second intention wound as something that qualifies for simple repair. But as a practical matter, I think in my practice anyway, a simple repair is any wound that I close simply with one layer of sutures, normally uh, one layer of cutaneous sutures. A common area that, that I may do this is, for example, upper eyelid excisions. I find in those locations, I don't really need deep sutures. So I'll simply put in one layer of cutaneous sutures. Another practical example, for example, when I perform a skin graft, sometimes I will take a donor site from the supraclavicular region, and I will close it with a purse string. And whether you place the purse string transcutaneously or simply just within the dermis, which is my preferred technique, in either case, it's one layer of sutures and thus requires the simple repair code. Thank you. Uh, now, since we touched upon <clears throat> simple repairs, one further clarification. What type of repair material will uh, validate a simple repair and what may not? Okay, that's a good question. So CPT is also pretty clear about this. Um, so what they've stated, once again, I'll just uh, give it to you verbatim first and provide some additional explanation. But they state that uh, wound closure utilizing sutures, staples, or tissue adhesives, either singly or in combination with each other or in combination with adhesive strips. So the way that's to be interpreted is the only materials that count for a layer of closure, whether it's simple closure or multiple layers in the case of an intermediate closure, are sutures, staples, or tissue adhesives. Now you can use these things in combination with adhesive strips, but the adhesive strips do not constitute an additional layer. There's additional language that clarifies this. Um, they go on to say chemical cauterization, electrocauterization, or wound closure utilizing adhesive strips as the sole repair material are included in the appropriate ENM code. So basically they're being very clear about the fact that if all you are using is adhesive strips, they don't count as a layer. They don't count as a single layer for simple repair and they do not count as an additional layer if you wanted to code for an intermediate repair. Now, how about if we used an adhesive to hold the strips down better? That being something like tincture of benzoin or mastosol, which are the commonly used products. Yes, yeah, so tissue adhesives, um, what the um, CPT intends to include there are adhesives which are actually gluing tissue to other tissue. So stuff like mastosol and benzoin are simply adhesives where you're trying to uh, adhere tape or some sort of bandage material onto the wound. So you're not actually 
trying to glue the tissue to other tissue. So those things really don't count as tissue adhesives. So the, the tissue adhesives that would be acceptable are 2-octyl-cyanoacrylate. There's actually an older one that's available on the market. I've never used it, but uh, you could buy it. It's something called N-butyl-2-cyanoacrylate, and that also would be an acceptable tissue adhesive. Those are the only ones that I'm personally aware of. Thank you. So as an extension of that, if one were to do a repair that involves a deep layer of sutures and then glue the surface with a cyanoacrylate glue, would that be reported as an intermediate repair? I think that by the requirements given by the CPT, you have then used two layers. So you've used a deep layer of sutures, which is your first layer, and then you've used as your second layer a tissue adhesive that is gluing the, the tissue to other tissue, not gluing strips onto the tissue. So in that case, you would have two layers, and then you would meet the requirement for intermediate repair. And speaking of layers, that's how the CPT defines the codes for intermediate and complex repair. Each one of those is layered upon the requirement for the preceding code. Consequently, to meet the requirements of an intermediate repair, one must satisfy the requirements for a simple repair, in addition to the further qualifications for an intermediate repair. So just as you pointed out, the criterion for a simple repair that was satisfied was a cyanoacrylate glue, which counted as one superficial layer, and then the deeper layer of sutures, with or without undermining, qualifies it then to the level of intermediate repair. Now, let's say similar scenario whereby one does a deep layer of sutures and then repairs the surface or adjusts the surface with tape strips glued on to an adhesive that holds the tape strips down. How would that be reported? So that, in, in most scenarios, there is one small exception which I'll get to, but generally speaking, that should be coded as a simple repair because the only layer that counts would be the deep layer of sutures. The adhesive strips, as is pointed out by CPT, do not constitute an additional layer, so you have one layer and thus you have a simple repair. Now, in the intermediate repair code, there is an exception for heavily contaminated wounds where you do a lot of cleansing. And in that case, if you did that, then you could report a single layer closure as an intermediate repair. Now, this is not something that I assume goes on in many or really any dermatologist's office, so it's not something that people really would be doing. But I suppose in that one very limited circumstance, you could get away with it. So assuming that didn't happen, which is normally the case for most people, that would not qualify as an intermediate repair. Now, to touch on that subject, since you did mention the debridement, I do want to clarify that the intent of the CPT with respect to the intermediate repair and debridement, it is specifically concerning debridement of extensively contaminated wounds. Correct. Not the types of wounds that we in most surgery would debride uh, let's say, preceding a delayed repair, which I will be doing very shortly. Anyway, this is not the kind that would precede a delayed repair, whereby we may curette or 
do some freshening of the edges. That does not qualify as the type of debridement that is touched upon in the intermediate repair definition. Now let's go on to a couple of examples. And I'll read one for you. And let's see how it should be reported. This would be a, a male patient who presents with an infiltrating basal cell on the cheek. He has one stage of most surgery done. The uh, cones of skin bordering the inferior and superior edges are excised, and the skin is sutured shut linearly with buried absorbable stitches. The surface is then tape strip closed. The line of closure measures 2.7 centimeters. How should that be reported? So what you would do in this case is for the one stage of Mohs surgery, you would report the code 17311. For your closure, since there was only one layer of sutures, the adhesive strips don't count. We know that we have a simple repair and the appropriate code for a simple repair on the cheek of that length uh, would be code 12013. Also, as we touched upon earlier, we do not want to add any modifiers to these codes, so you simply report the codes on their own. Now, if we had a similar patient with a Mohs excision, and we repaired the wound with a similar process of excising cones on two opposing sides of the defect, and then minimally undermining, or not undermining at all, closing the edges together and opposing them with very deep sutures. And we happen to use a tissue adhesive with steri strips, would we code it the same or any differently? So if we used a tissue adhesive, such as the 2-octal cyanocrylate, then uh, once again, the assumption when you're really coding anything or, or really doing anything is that it's medically necessary. So the presumption is that the Mohs surgeon in this case thought that it was necessary to close the wound adequately with the tissue adhesive. Then in that case, you have used two layers of closure. You have your deep layer, and then you have your tissue adhesive on top. Uh, the fact that you may have put steri strips on top of your tissue adhesive doesn't really undo any of that. So in that case, it would be appropriate to report an intermediate repair. Now I have one other case that uh, just came to mind. And uh, this does arise in most surgery and in general scalp reconstruction, whereby one may incise a rather large flap to close a defect undermine subgalially, and then advance, rotate, or whatever, uh, do a um, tissue rearrangement closure, and staple everything together. And that's it. Staples only. There's broad, extensive undermining done to facilitate the repair, but there is the one layer of staples done. If it's a flap, it's a flap. But how about if we undermine extensively and do a linear repair? How would that be reported with staples only? So if you undermine widely and you only put one layer of closure, which in this case is staples, then it's not something I have a lot of personal experience with it, but it, it's something that is commonly done and I think is a fine technique. You know, as you pointed out earlier, these repair definitions are sort of layered upon one another. 
So even if you did extensive undermining, the fact is that in order to reach complex repair, you have to have met the criteria of both intermediate and simple repairs, and a single layer of sutures doesn't get you there. So it doesn't matter. You could have undermined the entire scalp, but if you only put in one layer of closure, then that is a simple repair. Thank you very much for clarifying that. I think it'll be uh, useful. Um, if people are wondering why are we dwelling on a simple repair definition that for some may be obvious, it is because for some it was not obvious. And that is why the CPT will react as it did in 2022 by modifying uh, slightly the introductory language in, in simple repair guidelines. Well, now that we hopefully have clarified the concepts about simple repairs, uh, Dr. Krishnan, what would you advise our listeners to have at their disposal in order to aid them with their coding challenges? Well, I think there's a lot of great resources out there that you can take advantage of. Some of the best ones come from the Academy. On the Academy's website, you can get the Academy's coding and billing manual, as well as the Academy's principles of documentation in dermatology. Also, the Derm Coding Consult often has various scenarios relating to wound repair that can be very useful. In addition to these resources, I think it's always a good idea to have a current version of the CPT manual available as there's really no substitute to getting the information directly from the source. Thank you very much, Dr. Krishnan. It's been illuminating. Hopefully this will be useful as these sessions are intended to be useful to our audience. And at this point, we thank you and we wrap this up until the next episode. The AAD Member Buying Program has helped your colleagues save more than $5.6 million through the AAD Member Buying Program. As an AAD member, you have access to the best pricing on sutures and savings of up to 19% on medical and office supplies when you enroll. The best part, it's free and takes less than a minute to get started. Sign up now at aadmemberbuyingprogram.com. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.